Welcome to the Multicast. This is John. It's your boy Fatty. Yes. So quite the week. I don't know where we want to start. I think, I think we should start. And this is going to sound weird, but this is Monday. Uh, this airs on Monday, and it, we will have just gotten through the weekend of great CPAC speeches, which we've not yet seen. But uh, CPAC got off to a typical CPAC start with, believe it or not, um, Donald Trump Jr. Uh, just crossing all sorts of lines and going after Fetterman, calling him a vegetable. Uh, so what was your, what's your early take on, one, Trump's attack, Trump Jr.'s attack on Fetterman, but also uh, CPAC in general? Yeah. Um, is it cynical? I said, to, when you said this to me, I said, good, let him keep talking. Um, I don't know if that's cynical of me. I just like to believe in facing what we're facing head on. And this is what we're facing. This is what we're going to be facing. This is the Republican Party. Donald Jr. is it an elected official, but he represents an elected official, if not the most important Republican in the land. This is who they are, right? This is what Donald Jr. believes. This is what Donald believes. This is what Tucker believes. Tucker was going after Fetterman this week as well. Um, look, if you think that Fetterman can do a job, it's different than calling him a vegetable. It's different than calling him... Um, incapable because he checked himself into uh, a facility. Um, but I don't know. I'll pose the question to you. Is it cynical of me just to want this? Like, I want this fight because I believe that we're on the right side of history on this one. Um, no, it's not cynical. Um, and as Rahm Emanuel said, you know, when one of his many stints at the White House is never let a good uh, scandal or, 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 or you know, a, a crisis go to waste. Um, but I'm 50, 50 on it. I, I definitely think it needs to be exploited, but I, when you think about how much politics, current events drive the moods, um, I also, it, it's kind of like messed up that not only are we saying it, but it's being applauded and not condemned, not we, but they, not only are you saying, but it's being applauded and condemned because, you know, like it or not, um, Trump, Trump Jr., the conservatives, CPAC, they represent millions. A good significant portion of this country, at least 30, 35% of this country, if not more. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's political opportunity in it, but at what cost to just our quality of life, you know, when you look at what's going on. So, I mean... Let's, you know, I, I, I probably, if I was there, I'd probably be, you know, in lockup right now. Cause if I had seen it, I probably would have tried to throw hands, um, you know, but, um, it's just a mean spiritedness and it's, I don't know. And, you know, when I was watching, um, uh, the, uh, Alex Wagner show earlier, earlier, they were talking about how CPAC has literally just become like a trade show and, you know, Everybody's just hawking stuff and trying to get stuff. And it's like branding and brand awareness. Um, that is one of our major parties. And I guess, the you know, one of the things that is just frustrating for me is how a significant portion of our political discourse is driven by people who are literally looking to make a buck, to get clicks. Um, they're not trying to pass policy. They're just trying, they're just trying, they're, they, you know, they're, they're chaos agents. I mean, we talk a lot about the chaos agents on our side 
of the aisle. But the other side, you know, even if we have chaos agents on our side of the aisle, at the end of the day, we still get stuff done and they, you know, they can't derail much. But the but it's one thing we've got a chaos segment within one party versus an entire party that their number one agenda right now is chaos. So let me ask you a question, John. We'll talk about it a little bit with, with the Fox lawsuit. It's pretty – some people were making the point this week that we thought that Fox was brainwashing their their watchers, but it, it might be the other way around, that Fox is just taking notes um, and cues from their audience. Now, I'm sure there's both sides contributing, but – are, are we blaming Republicans for being grifters or should we blame Republican voters for allowing it to get this far? Um, it's hard to say. Um, you can only do what you can get away with, right? Uh, so, but yeah, I, I, I think, put it this way, I won't make a distinction and maybe this is where I'll land. I won't make a distinction between Republicans uh, elected officials and a significant portion of the MAGA wing of the Republican Party, of which it seems dominated. Um, and you know, part of the problem is even the Never Trumpers, right? The Never Trumpers, they created this mess. You know, a lot of these tactics that we're seeing in the Trump years, and, and you and I have talked about this ad nauseum about how we're glad they're on our side, we wish that they'd take ownership, but this is their creation. This is this 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 is the way that they've moved for years. They don't forget a lot of the people we look up to now, uh, or not look up to now, but really appreciate and really respect for them condemning Trumpism were the same folks behind the whole rumor that uh, John McCain had a black baby, right? Um, the you know this this is this is who Republicans are, and I know some of the good guys have gotten out and they're good guys or alleged good guys, but. So I think that what's, and, and you have to probably put on some of your movie history, but what is it when it's like an inmates running the asylum type thing, but you know, the inmates are running the asylum, but it's a lot of the gatekeepers both still within the Republican party and who have recently left the Republican party who are responsible for the conditions in the asylum for, and you know, the other thing too is um, not only are the inmates running asylum, the inmates, you look at uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, uh, Gosar, they're actually getting elected to. Yeah, that's a valid point, is the the crazy constituents of the Republican Party are now the Republican Party, right? They're getting elected, and they're becoming superstars in the Republican Party themselves. Um, so that's a, that's a super valid point. Um, I also think that social media... When I look at Tucker and when I look at Hannity, um, I think they're obsessed with ratings as opposed to anything else. And, and, and they're a TV show, right? They should care about ratings and stuff like that, but not to the point of the detriment of the country, which I think Fox News is, right? I'm not sure how they're still allowed to call themselves news. And at the same time, 40% of the like you said, forty percent of the voter base believes that they're 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 the only news channel that that is suffice or or that tells the truth, right? Um, I don't. Know, I just think the media landscape changed so much 
when you talk about the old, like the old Republicans that have to do with this, even in, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, even when the birtherism stuff was there, was that like talked about 24 hours a day? Am I wrong about that? Or, or how do you remember that? It was to a certain extent, but you know what's fascinating is um, when I think about like all that's going on with Fox and with, you know, birtherism and the insurrection, things of that nature. I remember, and I forget the actual trigger point or the incident, but one time during the uh, Obama administration, Obama went in on Fox News. And a lot of a, a lot a lot of um, non Fox journalists, Jake Tapper being one of them, were angry and called out Obama for going in on Fox News. And he, realistically, what he called them out on, and, I, and again, I can't give you specifics, but it was in the spirit of what they're doing now: the disingenuousness, the dishonesty, the not doing real news people piece. And, you know, it, we remember how we were just a few minutes ago talking about, uh, you know, who do you blame, Republicans or Republican voters? You know, a lot of what Fox has done and Fox is doing, I really think the entire media is complicit because when people like Obama try to call them out over that BS, they went at, you know, those, those legitimate outlets went after Obama, right? So, you know... It's it's tough, and you know, uh, one of the um, one of the uh, January sixth or uh, or uh, impeachment managers, you know, had stated that you know if Watergate had happened today with a Fox News, Nixon would have gotten away with it. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Fox News is it's just state media. I don't see it in any different than. Well, no, it's not state media because right now they're not – see, and we kind of quit calling it state media because it's state media when a Republican's in office, but it's not state media now. Sure. It's not controlled I'll by the I'll say state. it's Republican state media. Like, it's exclusively Republican. Um, I, I understand your distinction. I appreciate that, yeah. But um, the same way we criticize Russian propaganda media or I, – I know Matt Gates was caught uh, spewing Chinese propaganda this week. Uh, that's how I look at the Republican Party. Uh, I don't know if you legislate that away. I don't know if you, uh, I don't know if lawsuits get a bank from them. I doubt it, right? So um, that's the biggest challenge that we face moving forward. But to get back to CPAC and, and everything like that, they're only going to get worse, John. They've backed themselves into a corner so much. I just, I, I don't know if you sent me this thread or there was a thread on Twitter that was saying that Republicans have to do this now that the only way they get their voter base to come out and vote is to even get worse. DeSantis, believe it or not, they say that, and you know this, right? You you go right, in, in the Republican case, you go right in the primary and then you pivot center for the general. DeSantis is going full extreme right. He's not saying what Trump did is too much. Let me go back center. He's saying what Trump did was not enough, and he's going after even more. So this is what they have to do now. It's unfortunate that... Well, it's fortunate for us, but unfortunate for the country that they've have to put themselves in a hole that they just have to continue to dig deeper. But it's up, it's up to us, right? It's up to us to continue to win elections, like we basically won since 2018, and to show them that this is not the, the country that we want to live in. Um, and I'm I'm confident that this stuff is Donald Trump Jr. 
is not going to win. I, I wholeheartedly believe that. They might win an election here or there, but I believe the long run, the arc, uh, it will always be in our favor. Right. You know, one of the things that happened at CPAC, and I'm not sure if, if you've seen it yet, but one of the things that happened at CPAC is Steve Bannon went in on Fox. He's declared war on Fox because some of the things that did come out was their acts right, you know, outright nervousness on losing viewers to Newsmax and, and, and own and all that, all that other stuff. And so Steve Bannon is using this as an opportunity to light up Fox, you know, Here's a question. Do we go to the let them fight meme again or do we um, or do we maybe kind of instigate it? So because I don't know, would you agree that when we have problems on our side, we instigate they we they instigate a little bit more. They they don't just let us fight amongst ourselves. They're going to exploit it. How should the left exploit some of the dissension um, within the, 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 the right? You know, the fact that you do have. At any given time, you do have a number of members of Congress uh, in the, who will turn on Kevin McCarthy, either members from the left, I mean, either members from the right, hard right, wacko right, who will go after him, or the moderates. Um, what type of, how would you exploit, and there's, there's cracks, would you agree that if the Republican Party in our media ecosystem had the same cracks that the Republicans have now, our future as Democrats might not even be there, right? How should we exploit the cracks on the right? Uh, it's an interesting question. Um, I believe, and, and we this is the same argument we had about Dr. Oz and all these people. I think we we ch we not champion them, but we we make sure that we make the argument about Dr. Oz, right? When Biden, if Biden, I should say, if Biden runs, all indications are that he is. If Biden runs and Trump's the nominee, I would play this Don Jr. tape. I mean, not not maybe at a press conference, but I would make sure that my team knew to play this Donald Trump Jr. tape where he's calling John Fetterman a vegetable. And I would say, you're voting for a guy like like Trump's base isn't isn't um immune to strokes. Every single group gets strokes, right? And for you to call somebody who had a stroke who's recovering, who continues to recover a vegetable, I would make that what I'm arguing against. I wouldn't talk about the border. I wouldn't talk about anything like that. I would simply talk about the fact that the Republican Party is extreme. And I believe that message was, was good in 2020 and great in 2022 was, hey, we tried a lot of things. We got a lot of things done. But look at what's, look at what's waiting for you on the other end. Um, so I would first get out of the way and let them fight, as you say. And then second, I would make sure that the national conversation is about the extremism and not just use their, just use them, just use their energy against them is what I would do. I would stop trying to have policy debates uh, or, or at least I would have policy debates in a much more generic um, term, if that makes any sense. Yeah, you know, but here's one of the things. And remember how I've always said we're built different, we're cut different, right? Um how I learned about the uh, Don Jr.'s Fetterman comments was I was watching MSNBC and they alluded to some disgusting and horrible comments that uh, Donald Trump Jr. had made about Fetterman. But they said, and out of decency, we're not going to play them. Well, you went right and after we're not going to, we're not going to, we're not going to repeat them. So I went and searched it and looked it up. 
Now, the question is, and of course, we obviously don't want to disrespect Fetterman. Is that one of those disadvantages that we have that we're not even going to repeat that? If someone on the left had said something as ugly as as he said, that shit would be on loop on Fox. That 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 would be on loop on Fox, and they'd be on TV having heart palpitations and everything else. You know, do we? Is that is that a mistaken high road? I mean, you and I know that we don't always need to go as low as they do, but sometimes not only do we not go as low as they do, sometimes we set the bar too damn high. What do you think of the editorial decision not to share the clip or uh, uh, over the air? of Don Jr. going after Fetterman? Um, I, I believe it's news. I believe it's news. So no matter how tough the news is, I think they should share it. But at the same time, this is going to – it's everywhere on my timeline. So I don't think they were holding back. Like it, everyone's watching. Everyone's sharing it. And everyone's talking about it. I think I, I – Yeah, but my mom, and dad, my mom and dad are not seeing it. They're not online. Yeah. They're, they probably – if I, yeah. I could probably go ask them about it right now. They wouldn't know anything about it. They might not know about it yet. I wonder – I truly believe that after a weekend of craziness, this will be included in the Monday-Tuesday conversation. And maybe – Maybe they pick up. Maybe your parents pick up on it Monday, Tuesday. I could be totally wrong, right? The way the way the media works, this will be this will be dead by tomorrow, and something else will pop up, right? So, um, but you don't have to use it today, right? I just bring it up in November twenty twenty four. I'd bring it up the whole year after that. Like, we don't have to execute it right away. I believe that we will talk about it today, and I believe it will get talked about later as well. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I do, but the reality is, is that this is, a, again, now, here's the difference, though. Part of the reason why it's not on MSNBC, though, is Jamie Hairston, Chuck Schumer, Hakeem, uh, you know, Hakeem Jeffries, uh, Joe Biden, Kareem Jean-Pierre aren't planning uh, aren't in constant contact with the planning desk at MSNBC and CNN and and saying, oh, we've got an opportunity we've got to exploit. I mean, we've got, I think we've got pretty close evidence that on the right, that's not, that's the case. So again, part of the reason why that apples to oranges comparison probably fails is never ever is the editor, our editorial decisions at CNN and MSNBC ever going to be made by the White House and the Democrats. Whereas on the right, the editorial decisions are definitely being made by the Republican hierarchy. The 100, you're absolutely correct, right? Biden doesn't have Jake Tapper on speed dial every night calling into the show, talking about things. I also, as you were talking, just looked at John Fetterman's timeline. Obviously, he's um, they're obviously worried about other things. But I think it's an opportunity just to, like, why can't Biden's Twitter retweet this and say, this is what the Republican Party is, right? Like, it doesn't have to be Jake Tapper. It doesn't have to be that big. It could be something small like that. The press secretary, assistant press secretary, right? Something like that, retweeting it and saying, uh, we support John Fetterman. Look at the extremism of the Republican Party. I haven't looked yet, but I'm sure that official accounts have talked about it. Well, it's, it, it, it's you know, it, it is fascinating. Uh, I am interested to see what happens. So... Um, you know, one of the things that uh, we alluded to 
is what's going on with Dominion and Fox News. And they had another bad week. You know, it's uh, the Rupert Murdoch testimony was and, you know, that kind of led to Steve Bannon's meltdown at, well, I don't call it a meltdown. C-Pan, Steve Bannon exploiting uh, for his own personal gain uh, some of the, some of the you know, Fox's slip showings for that matter. So what was your take this week on the, uh, on, on, on the Fox slash, Fox News slash Dominion uh, lawsuit? I actually have an interesting take on this. I don't necessarily need validation from those people. But as you've known me, you've known, I've said this whole entire time, Sean Hannity knows, Tucker Carlson knows, they all know, they all know that who Trump is and, and, and they truly don't believe in what they say. It's nice for them to say it. Like, I know it's under oath and we don't, I don't have a live video of it, but it's nice to hear them say it and acknowledge what we all know. Now, will it, ha- will it change anything for Fox viewers? Probably not. Um, from what I understand, Fox News is choosing not to cover this thing as a news station, not that they're a news station. Um, but we get to hold it against them. When, when Peter Ducey or his son, I forgot his son, I don't know if Peter's the son, whoever's the son, um, when the Ducey kid asked Biden a question about Fox News, Biden could challenge it, right? You're representing a news station that purposely lies to his viewers. Why should anybody believe what you're saying, right? I hope that that's something that happens that the Fox News channel faces the repercussions, not only financially and legally. Sorry, my voice is uh, getting over something, but I wonder if they face it culturally. When Biden's running, that he can look to a Fox News reporter and say, why should anybody trust anything that you're going to report on? And they can't answer that question properly. That's what I'm hoping for outside of the financial. And and I don't know if there's a law that might might get passed because of this. But I just hope that Ducey can't face Biden with the same vitriol. If you, you know, am I painting the right picture? Are you trying to pick up what I'm putting down? Yeah. Well, I think the challenge that Fox News is again. Remember what I just said? We, uh, we I blame the I blame the press. I think that the rest of the press corps should be called out for not demanding that Fox News not be allowed in the White House press corps anymore. I mean, it is no longer, if, if, if that's the case, give Roy, uh, what, what's our, what's our uh, boy's name on, um, on, the, on the Daily Show, Roy, whatever, Roy Woods Jr. Give Roy Woods Jr. permanent uh, pass to the White House. He, he, and let's be honest, um, the Daily Show has always had more uh, editorial integrity than, than Fox News. But seriously if you're going to allow if you're going to allow um fox news in the white house press briefing room there's no reason why uh roy woods jr and and or, or what's his name who's who's the uh the tall the tall uh, white guy that's also the correspondent for the uh, uh for, jordan for the daily show yeah jordan klepper i want jordan klepper and 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 ray wood uh roy woods jr in the press briefing room because um, first of all, they would, they would have a lot more integrity than Fox. Um, but it's, I don't know, it, it, it's offensive. Um, and like I say, I do have a hard time with the press somewhat being a little bent out of shape now because when Obama called them out, when Obama called Fox News out, they went ahead and they went after Obama 
and it just you know it's just in my opinion unacceptable yeah i completely agree i don't like i said i don't think this is the end of fox news but um this is the biggest loss I think they'll ever have, right? Financially, culturally, PR-wise. For them to go on oath and say, we're just lying. Um, I love it. I love that. And I love them facing the consequences of, of their actions. I don't think it changes much for Fox viewers, unfortunately. Or maybe it changes one or two minds, right? But um, I completely agree. It's, it's unacceptable. Right. Now, um one of the things that we didn't put in prep, but one of the things I've noticed this week um, is uh, not noticed this week, but something that broke today was that Walgreens announced that in, I think, 20 states, they're not going to uh, offer the, um, you know, uh, the abortion drugs. Um, and I think what it was was Walgreens was not necessarily taking making a political statement as much as they were making a risk assessment statement because state's attorneys in those 20 states have basically threatened legal action. But I think to some, you know, to, um, you know, to the credit of the people who have been critical of Walgreens for doing this, maybe they folded too soon, but, you know, uh, the, the way that the right is moving right now and how hardcore, I don't know, did they, was it, in many ways, it's you and I, and of course, we're not women. It was a legally pragmatic move. Was it the offense that is being portrayed on the left? Or was it just, look, um, we don't want to get tied up in court. Uh, there's most likely going to be injections, and we'll probably not be able to do this. So, I mean, what, what was your take when you heard the news about Walgreens and their decision to not sell uh, the abortion pill in 20 states. From what I understand, John, some of these states are, it's still legal, right? They were just basically reading the room is what Walgreens was saying was, Hey, we think this well, is. Well, they were getting threatened. They were getting, they were getting threatened by those states attorney generals. Yeah. But in states where it was still kind of, it was still legal or not yet banned. Right. So I understand what their position is at the same time that works both ways. Um, you could also get sued because you're not selling it. Um, especially if it's legal in that state. So I don't know. I think this is probably a, the wrong move. This is, here's why I think it's political, John, is because you're succumbing to right-wing pressure. Now, you might just want to avoid the headache and avoid the lawsuits, but at the end of the day, you're just a business. You're a pharmacy that's job is to give drugs to people who have prescriptions. You avoiding lawsuits is not necessarily my problem. What if, what if tomorrow someone wants to ban Tylenol or ibuprofen or something that, that isn't political? Are you going to step in then? What if someone needs um, vaccines, right? Like the point of the pharmacy is not to be political. It's just to follow the rules. Um, but I don't know. Is Will there be counter lawsuits? Will some left-wing organizations step in and say, well, we'll sue too because you're not following the rules? Well, yeah, I, I think uh, to your point, um, I think one of the challenges is that a lot of folks are going to run into is who has legal standing, um, what is actionable, and, you know, it's it'd be different 
I mean, if they don't stock it, I don't know if that's if that's something they can be sued for. I think if they stock it and don't sell it, that might be different, right? You know, because you know, I I do know for a fact that you know there's one of the big areas of like a lot of legal cases is the whole conscientious objector thing, right? If your pharmacy has this drug and I go and I try to pick up a prescription uh, and um, the particular pharmacist on duty opts not to sell me the drug, I know that there is some legal action that people have taken. I don't know if a, if a uh, outlet opts not to carry a particular product if that is the exact same thing, I and again I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm prefacing it all with a, I don't know, but I could maybe see where that might. You know, here's the thing. Walgreens has got a good legal department, and I also assume that if what the point you raised was relevant, I would assume that was taken into consideration as well, right? So again, I'm speaking uh, blindly, um, but. I mean, does that make sense to you or, or, or not? Yeah, yeah, it does. You also, you mentioned actionable and legal standing. But something you mentioned to me before a long time ago was victims, right? Who's 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 the victim or who has um, leeway to sue? The state attorney general, I don't know if they have legal standing to sue if in that state is legal. But if you're a person who's going to get a drug that Walgreens refuses to give you, that's pretty clear legal standing to me. You're a victim in that situation because they're technically, it sounds it sounds weird, but you're technically discriminating against me because or I might be a woman and you're not giving me a drug because of X, Y, Z. Now, again, you said, I don't know. I actually really don't know. I'm, I'm just kind of thinking out loud here. I just wonder if, the noise from the AGs, will it be louder than the noise from the PR hit that they're going to take or they're taking right now? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that which smoke is bigger, but to me, um, the hit they're taking right now seems a little bit bigger. Is that, is that you find that accurate? Right, right. Now, here's the fascinating. So I'm going to read just a, uh, a quick statement from Kwame Raul. For those of you who don't know, Kwame Raul is the... Um, Attorney General in Illinois, and this is a statement he issued today. My office has advocated historically to ensure that Walgreens and other pharmacies dispense proven safe medications for abortions. I understand that the legal landscape around abortion is uncertain and shifting every day. In fact, some states have laws in the books that propose legislation or pending litigation that creates challenges for expanding medication abortion access. Today, I had the opportunity to speak directly with the global chief legal officer at Walgreens as a company headquartered in Illinois. And I was assured that where Walgreens can legally and operationally dispense uh, MILF, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, uh, MILF, MILFBRISTRONE, its pharmacies will continue to do so. Their commitment included the state of Illinois, um, where more than half the abortions are medical abortions. I encourage the other major pharmacies and medication abortion distributors to make a similar commitment and provide uh, MILFBRISTRONE, um, everywhere it is legally allowed. I commend Walgreens for seeking clear, sort of, uh, certification to dispense uh, Mifrospone in stores despite the FDA's onerous and overly burdensome process. Mifrospone has been used safely, blah, blah, blah. So, um, it, I, I, I see, I think that the headline 
is not necessarily telling us a full story. I think that there's probably some approach that they're taking and we need to dig deeper in which they're seeking um a, they're, they're probably seeking opinions from attorney generals to find out what the lay of the land is in that state and if attorney generals say oh well, we're going to come after in these states um that may be enough for them to stand down again i don't know if i know if that's defensible from the standpoint of they should just tell them screw it so i don't know if it's a situation where um you have walgreens saying before we move forward in this particular state we're going to get the legal certifications i just think that there's probably a little bit more there than meets the eye i think that um it's it's outraging it, it's 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 people should definitely be upset and outraged but i also think that um have you read any kind of really hardcore analysis of why walgreens is taking this action you know we've heard all the outrage but i'm not sure we've really heard the reasons why and how legal experts what they feel about um walgreens doing what they're doing um i honestly can say i haven't read anything from what i understand they might just be reading the the leaves like you said right they're talking to different ags and getting a feel for things if they feel like in illinois i don't believe there is but in other states there might be pending letting uh, uh legal legislation that might be headed towards the way of Walgreens not being able to sell this. So maybe Walgreens is just getting ahead of that and saying, we're just going to press pause until all this kind of figures itself out. Um, but I don't know if that's fair for the people who need the drugs and the medicine, I think is what people are outraged about. So do I know exactly what Walgreens is trying to avoid? No, but I can only assume they're just trying to read the writing on the wall, but as you know, like until something's for sure, for sure, you got to be able to do your job and, and, and treat people. And I think that's what I think the outrage is about as well. Also, Walgreens should fight. Walgreens should be part of our side in this fight to say these are just drugs. This is not a political statement. These are just drugs that are proven to be safe and effective. And Walgreens should be on our side in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 I, like I say, I think it's, you know, the people say that it's following, um, uh, you know, legal threats from uh, GOP attorney generals, but I do, I do truly wonder if um, it's not just merely a threat, but there's, you know, some some severe, you know, ability to their overall op ability to operate in particular states. But speaking of which. One of the things that happened this week, and it's gotten great coverage, and I'm going to give credit to Joe Biden. You know, we, we oftentimes spend so much time dragging the other side and complaining about this, complaining about that. We don't give Joe Biden his flowers. But um, this week, Pfizer indicated that they're going to go through and cap the cost of insulin to $35 a month. Now, um, that's going to really be great uh, for a lot of people. Um I know that um, I think what one of the things, though, too, that Walgreens actually when remember when um, Elon wasn't protecting uh, verified accounts and people, some people actually started a fake Pfizer account, say that they're giving it away for free. And then someone else started another one and they, and, and they said, no, it's going to be $400 a dose. And then uh, essentially, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, Pfizer's stock price dropped. Um, 
today or when when Pfizer announced that their stock price actually went up, you know, uh, what is your reaction seeing that Pfizer's making this move? Is it Pfizer, John? I want to say it's Pfizer. Or no, Eli Lilly. It was Eli Lilly. I'm sorry. Yeah, Eli Lilly. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, sorry. I just wanted to make sure. Um, yeah, so it's interesting. Uh, you, you brought it up, right? The, the, the Twitter hack, if you will, or whatever it was. Um, it kind of put them in a bad spot. I don't know. Were they bullied? Like, were they just bullied enough where they just had to do this? And this is a PR saving uh, move for the company where they just do this to save face. But the fact is, Biden, and it's interesting because I read an article about Biden's political strategy. There's a reason that the State of the Union was filled with the the junk fees stuff that he was talking about so much. He knows what people care about. Biden's very good at the kitchen table stuff that we talk about all the time. He knows the amount of people that use insulin. He knows that anybody at some point knows somebody who uses insulin. And so if he just changes the culture a little bit, then the companies look awful all the time. Does that mean, you know what I mean, John? Like if one company's doing it a certain way and Biden says, hey, this is wrong, then the company almost has to shift. And I know the president, unfortunately, changes markets. We know famously Trump would just tweet something and the market would crash or go up based on that. Um, but that's part of the influence. If you use it for good, then I don't see, personally, I don't see a problem with it, right? Um, I bet you Ticketmaster and all those junk fee companies are going to start to change on their own because they know that that's the PR win. So maybe maybe Eli Lilly's doing it for a PR win, but at the end of the day, if people, if people benefit, then I don't particularly care why they do it. Right, and let, let's be honest. Uh, I, I think you and I are both in agreement. This... Um... This move by Eli Lilly doesn't happen if Joe Biden doesn't start to start the ball rolling, um, and and now that seniors are going to be now that people are going to be paying thirty five dollars a month, um, and people are going to be saying, you know, or Biden should definitely be saying, "I did that." Democrats need to be saying, "We did that." Now, what would be fascinating is there is some talk about part of the reason why they could do it is because. They're focusing on developing other drugs, and that's where they'll make their money. But, you know, as you and I both know about the pharmaceutical game, um, a lot of times the newer drugs are not necessarily better. Um, They're just newer. And so I wonder what happens is will a lot of people um, say, I know I can get, and, you know, insert name of of, uh, diabetes drug here, I could get this for... $200 $200 a month, or I can get insulin for 35 Hey, doc, if you think insulin works, it's long, it's proven, what have you, I might just go back on insulin. And so when I wonder if it will have an impact on the other um, diabetes medications, and, you know, and if this is successful, you know, might this create a thing where I know, for instance, this week, my um, father uh, is on a blood thinner, and the blood thinner that they prescribed him was really expensive. And they told us uh, you can go on the other one. that's not as expensive. Um, it may require a little bit of um, adjustments to diet, you know, that the newer one, you know, is a little bit free and clear. But to save X amount of dollars a month, have my dad be healthy, if he just makes certain adjustments to his diet and is mindful of this or that, 
you know, he's literally saving hundreds of dollars a month uh, by going to the, the older medication, which was proven. Um, I wonder if this move and because would you agree that I'm not sure, you know, how many people in your home or in your family are on prescription drugs, but it seems like right now doctors are always treating people with a certain medication. The minute something newer comes out, that's not necessarily better. It's just newer that comes out. They always switch people to the newer one. Do you think that this might actually have people, you know, particularly dealing with, you know, uh, dealing with some of the older ones that have been proven are just not the new fancy ones? Yes. I also, do, do you know what Mark Cuban's doing in this space? I heard he's doing something with, is it generics or, or what, what is it? What is he's basically just, he basically has a, a, a medicine company now where he gives out the generic drugs, the same drugs, just generic, and he sells it for $10 a bottle where it might be $200 a bottle or whatever it is, right? He obviously doesn't have everything under the sun, but from what I understand, he has a good portion of things. And I also wonder if this is part of their calculation as well. I don't know if Mark Cuban has insulin or whatever, but I wonder if this, the culture is shifting with Biden, with Democrats pushing across the country, with somebody like Mark Cuban changing the game. I just wonder if pharmaceutical companies are going to have to start getting a little bit creative, making money in other ways and lowering the prices of prescription drugs. I also believe that Insulin's not the last one. I believe that there will be other drugs that Democrats will try to regulate the price of. And um, maybe maybe some companies are just going to read that, just like Walgreens read it with the abortion stuff and say, hey, let's get ahead of this and get a PR win, as opposed to just wait it out and try to fight it. So like I said earlier, I don't particularly care for the morals of any of these companies. But if it's helping people and the prices are dropping, then, then I don't have to know the, the whys, if you will. Yeah, you know, it's, I agree with you. Um, and it's, you know, this is something we need to make living in America more cost effective. We need, we need to go ahead and create an environment in a world in which, you know, just being able to afford your prescription drugs should not, you know, being afforded to being able to live in a place, being able to feed your family, being able to afford your prescription drugs, prices need to come down. And these are the types of things that we have to be doing while, you know, Ron DeSantis and, and, and Trump are in a battle to see who can be cruel, who can be the most racist, who can be just the most divisive person. Uh, Joe Biden and the Democrats are out here trying to see how can we make your life better? And I, and, you know, I wonder if that definitely is a good message going into 2024. Um, you know, one of the things, uh, and it's, we didn't put it on the, um, on the list, but, in the whistleblower, uh, not the whistleblower, the um, there was a report that the Democrats released today. I'm not sure if you heard about it, but it was a report in which they took the task, the Weaponization Committee, where um, the Jim Jordan and the, and the Republicans bought forth um, some whistleblowers. And it turned out that the whistleblowers didn't qualify the legal definition of whistleblowers. Um, they were disgruntled. Some of them actually, I think, participated in January 6th. And they were being actually paid by Cash Patel or some other Trump uh, things, uh, organizations and, and, and allies. And what it shows is that a lot of these uh, Republican hearings, they're backfiring and backfiring big time. I think that, you know, you know how you oftentimes, sort of what you said earlier about Trump Jr. 
and you know going after Fetterman, you're like let them do it. Um, it seems like these hearings are a perfect example of let them do it. Yeah, John, I was thinking about the whole week as these hearings. It's not just that; it's the Twitter stuff. It's all these other stuff. Um, I don't know what the Matt Gates Chinese propaganda one was about, but right, all this stuff, right? So, as I was thinking, I was like, no, well, the the, the Matt Gates the Matt Gaze Chinese propaganda thing was at one point he read a statement, and the guy that was in the hearing that he was quizzing said, "You know, you just read Chinese propaganda." Yeah, and so literally he repeated, and and, and it just. You know. Yeah, I guess I was saying I don't know what that that hearing was particularly for, right? But I was thinking the whole week is is it just me? Is it just my timeline that is is curated in a way where I'm seeing that all these people believe that these are Republican L's? I wonder if some of this is is registering on a national scale, or is it just my timeline? And I sent you earlier. I don't know if you saw it. It was right before the pod. Fox News was talking about where's the bombshells? Where it's just a waste of time. Republicans worked eight days in February. They've only worked twenty-two days in this whole year. Four of those was the the trying to fight for a speaker, right? They literally said on air, John, that Biden has worked harder than Republicans in Congress. And I'm just like, so it's not me. It's not just my timeline that believes these are all Republican L's. That's why I said in the beginning, we talked about losing in 2023, in 2022. And we talked about how close we were to securing it, right? If New York, if New York just kept it together, we would have had the House and the Senate. But I almost like this more. Now, granted, it's I know it's not good for the country, but they are making our case. We don't have to campaign as hard. They're making our case for us. Look at what you're going to get with the Republican Senate, Republican president and Republican Congress, you're just going to get chaos. And that's why I'm just like, let them do it. Like all this is backfiring on them. It makes Trump look bad. The Chinese balloon made Trump look bad. All these things that make are supposed to make Biden look bad are just bouncing off of them and going back to Republicans. So even Garland, right? Garland twisted up Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley, right? Where Ted Cruz said, you guys are leaking for the left. And Josh Holly's like, you guys are leaking for the right. And Garland's like, which one is it? You know? So if that's what's coming out of these hearings, that means that nothing else is coming out of these hearings. Fox News knows it. Republicans know it. And I'd love to see it. Well, you know, to the point you were making earlier, and of course, we don't, it's always better to be in the majority. But to your point about, I think there's a silver lining, um, and and especially with the change in leadership, right, with Hakeem and Catherine Clark and Pete Aguilar taking over, I think one of the things I really truly like about that is um, when you think about some of the fault lines on the left, when you think about the fault lines in the Democratic Party, if we were in power... Um, we might be, I don't think we'd be as bad as Republicans, but I think that we would be busy trying to be in power and mend our wounds and build relationships and, and get news, get used to a new leader, especially with a thin majority. I think given that usually the second two years of a president's term are usually never going to be uh, highly productive, right? 
that we were supposed to lose by a lot more than we lost. Um, might this, you know, I think you and I have both said this, especially since I'm a huge fan of Hakeem. I wonder if what's going on now in the Democratic caucus allows them to develop relationships, get used to new leadership so that they can be stronger when they go into the majority. And knowing that, and, and, and there's a very good chance why we know there's some things working against us, and it would be fantastic if we could hold on to the Senate as well. But while we know there's some headwinds, I do wonder, too, because the Republicans are screwing up so much, if we take back the majority, might we also take back the majority with a stronger margin, right? I mean, you and I have not really dove into the map, and I don't think, I'm not sure when people will really have an accurate read on what the map looks like, right? But I, I do wonder, if we were in power now, might it be a lot more tenuous? And might we be, might we be tight? And might we be worried about losing it in 24? And do we feel like we might be stronger going into 24 because we're in the minority and we can really, um, you know, come together, you know, mend, you know, mend fences and build a cohesive team? What, what, what is your take there? Yes, yeah, the difference between playing defense and offense. If we were the majority, we would be playing defense, trying to defend our record, defend what we've been doing. As opposed to now, where we can play offense and say, look at what we did the first two years. Republicans took control. They did absolutely nothing. They refused to work with us. They didn't want to help Americans. So it's a difference between playing defense and offense. I do believe that we have a chance to take the House back. I do believe we have a chance to keep the White House. The Senate, everyone believes, is a little bit tougher road. But at the same time, everyone said there was a red wedding coming. And we kind of defied the odds there in 2022. So... Who's to say what happens in the Senate? But it, if we have a ch chance at the White House and the House, then um, that's better than not than all, losing all three, right? So I, I like being on offense right now. We're having a good time. We're playing our game. We're messaging effectively, which a lot of people say Democrats can't do. And I think we've been affecting, we've been messaging effectively since 2018. I really do believe so. And this is just an opportunity to keep that going. I really like the position we're in right now. Speaking of which, and I don't know if Beto has softened up Texas for us, uh, but have you heard who is, because Ted Cruz is up, but have you heard who is considering a challenge to Ted Cruz? I have not, but I'm, I'm worried about what you're going to say. I like this. I don't want to lose this man in the house, but I like it. Colin Allred. I like, I like, I mean, could, it, could, could a former NFL football player, black man, motivate and really you know see why we've been really heartbroken by beto's close runs and and i forget the the woman who took on cornyn and all that other stuff i don't you know sooner or later we gotta get it um i mean so what's your i mean i don't know if you follow all red enough and i heard it's only a consideration it's not something he's announced he's doing or what have you but um, if you, if you've been following Texas and why we, we've always had reasons for optimism. I don't know if it's just because Beto's been dynamic and his di you know, because he's so dynamic, we just think it's more gettable than it really is. But what's your initial reaction to some of the rumors about all red, uh, going against Cruz? It's, it's interesting. I, the reason I said I was scared because I, I thought, remember one of my predictions in the, in the beginning of the year was Matthew McConaughey. So I thought you were going to go that route, but, um, 
Look, Bader almost beat Texas, but I think that was just such a different time. Or he almost beat Cruz, I should say. Sorry. Um, that was such a different time. I have to believe that Cruz is the overwhelming favorites. Um, but someone like him, right, doesn't get bigger than football in Texas. So someone like him, look how look how good Herschel Walker did. And maybe, maybe, but I don't know. I, I still have to believe Ted Cruz is the overwhelming favorite against anybody. Um, but I don't you know. know. Here it, here look, I'll take anybody. Here it is. Dominoes could fall if Colin, Urred, Colin Allred challenges Ted Cruz for Senate. Colin Allred, one week ago, ponders U.S. Senate bid versus Ted Cruz. I mean, here's the thing. One, the most important thing, and you and I have to be practical. I love Colin Allred. I want him on Capitol Hill, number one. Number two, if he runs for Senate, does his House seat stay Democratic? That's got to be a big consideration. You and I both know that even if you're in a swing district, if you have an incumbent, you're more likely to hold on to the seat. So is he in a safe dim that where, where we can risk losing him because we know he'll be replaced by a dim, right? But realistically, if we're going to ever take out a Ted Cruz, you got to put forth your bet. You know, just some random county commissioner in, in Lubbock, you know, ain't going to cut it, Right. So, I mean, you, you do have to put up a primetime player, you know, to, to, to take it. So I can get excited about it. I, you know, but the thing is, as you know, with Jamie Hairston versus uh, Graham, as with all Betos, I think the national, to your point, the national excitement, he will, he'll raise money. People will be throwing money at him. Hell, he could probably just, like, raise money from his ex-teammates. I'm sure he could probably raise money from a whole bunch of NFL guys, right? Just, like, ha have the NFL Players Association have every every active and current uh, uh, retired player write a max-out check, right? So that, that would be good. But I could get excited about it. But as we know, with a lot of these races, there's a lot of races we get excited about only to get mocked. So, but... I will just tell you, and I know you you've been diving, you've been loving polling and and diving into numbers. That's going to be one that you need to put on your radar, especially if it if he gets closer to actually announcing. I think that's one you're going to definitely have to put on your radar. I'd be interested to see Matthew McConaughey run against Ted Cruz as a Republican. Um, you mean in the Republican primary? He's never. Yeah, he could not win a Republican primary. He could not win a Republican primary. It'll be interesting. I don't think he'll win in general, but I don't know. He's charming enough. He's good looking enough. Like, don't ever underestimate the power of somebody like Matthew McConaughey and how he looks. But look, look, Ted Cruz is formidable. He's he's Texas and Texas, and and after Texas refused to kick Abbott out, I have a hard time believing they'll kick Ted Cruz out. But Ted Cruz, and we'll make a list. We should make a running list. Out of all the Republicans in pol in politics that want I want to see lose, Ted Cruz is probably number two on that list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Put it this way: if <laughs> as much as we love all the other races, we'd have to, we'd have to fly down just just to be there. If, if if it looks like Colin could pull it off, if it looks like he's running, could pull it off. Anyone, if it looks like you know. That's just one. And and I'd have to volunteer for Cruz so I could be at his election night party just to yell at him. Right? Just just to mock him. Um, you know, that 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 would be I don't know. 
I think, well, and the question is, and this is something that I think, going back to Allred, he's got to consider. Although, as I think I've told you before, uh, being a former member of Congress is actually quite lucrative. So, you know, uh, and, and I'm not sure how much money, were you ever familiar with Colin Allred when he was in the league? Did you, where, where did you ever follow his career or, or did you, did he come and show up in the house and all of a sudden you're like, wow, that's a former NFL player I never heard of. I mean, I, I didn't know much about him when he played. What, what, what was he kind of just like a a, a, a a modest player? I think he was with the Titans. Did he play anywhere else? I'm looking at it now. I, I don't remember him particularly. He's he's definitely – he would have been in the league when I was following. Um, let me see here. Um, yeah, he was undrafted. Yeah, I don't think he had a, a formal of a career. He made career. it and he played, but it wasn't anything of significance. Yeah, in Tennessee too, he was drafted by Tennessee. Right, right. So I don't know. Um, I I could get excited about it, but as as I said, my only fear is that I've gotten excited a lot about a lot of things. I mean, how many times we'd see an Amy McGrath commercial, just like, oh man, she's she's definitely gonna knock Mitch off. Oh, she's got it. Lost and then all <laughs> Even Harrison, I thought Harrison had it, and he raised the most money out of any Senate candidate thing ever. He ran a great campaign. It just wasn't it wasn't close on, on at the end of the day. Right, right. Well, I mean, we we have to. Well, and that's you know, here's the thing, and here's the danger. In well, it's whether it's Allred or or McConaughey or someone else. Is let's get excited about it. But make sure our resources go to races that we need to hold on to or or better opportunities for pickup, right? Uh, that's, that is the key is I can get excited, but, you know, and I think this is the key going into 24, folks, is when it comes to how you give, how you spend your online time as it relates to maybe um, volunteering virtually for candidates as far as phone banking, text messaging, writing postcards, that type of thing. We want as many people out there helping as many candidates as possible. But the first thing I want everybody to do is take care of home. Take care of home, take care of home, take care of home. Secondly, while there might be bright and shiny objects, and we definitely know that whoever probably runs in Texas is going to be a bright and shiny object and we can get excited about, but I don't, I'm not saying, I don't think, you, you know, Bob Casey or, or, um, you know, is, is up, I think for reelection, the Democrat in Pennsylvania, you know, whatever happens in, 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 um, Arizona, whatever happens in West Virginia, you know, choose your time, spend your time and money wisely, you know, and, and, you know, follow the leads. I mean, granted, sometimes the Democratic caucus, and, and I, that's the Senate, but also in the House, sometimes the various caucuses get it wrong, but they oftentimes get it right. So don't just, you know, go after the shite briny object. And if you do, make sure that you have, you know, you give to the other candidates first and get the bright, shiny object later, especially if they don't have a shot. I couldn't agree more. I, I believe that, I'd much rather probably spend a lot of, and, and this probably goes to the DNC as well, but I'd much rather spend a lot of time and money in what I believe is, and I don't know if there's any seats up, but North Carolina feels like it could be the next Georgia for us. 
Um, and our, our guy Ruben in Arizona, uh, we'll see if, if uh, a little Senate bid against cinema is going to be worthwhile. But I'd much rather spend money in places that feel close as opposed to go for the home run. I, I'm, I'm, I've started gambling on NBA games, and I'm always going after the parlays and the high-risk, high-reward. And that's where the Teddy Cruz seat is because I really wanted to lose. But there's much other seats that we need to hold on to or try to win as opposed to the Teddy Cruz seat. Yeah. Right, right. So uh, for now, this is uh, John signing off. This is Fadi signing off. Thanks for joining us, guys. Yeah.